The Week in Doubt, episode 285. Hey everyone, it's me, Philip Anthony Elbertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, a podcast for, what the hell is it, atheists, agnostics, and whoever. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to thank Robert Dam for liking The Week in Doubt Facebook page. I like Robert's name. I was almost going to sample the chorus from Allison Chain's Damn That River, but uh, too much work. So uh, yeah, thank you, Robert, once again, for liking the Weekend Out Facebook page. And what's with the, uh, you know, I lost, uh, just saying, I lost like two or three likes within um, the last couple of weeks. Don't know what's going on. Am I too controversial? Am I boring you guys? <clears throat> I don't know what's going on. But I'm, I'm hoping to hit 200 likes in the near future. So if we could please stop hemorrhaging likes. And while we're on the subject, I recently posted a video on the Weekend Out Facebook page of a baby sheep, a lamb I think they're called, um, chewing on a piece of furniture with its gummy little lamb mouth. And uh, it's whimsically titled, Tiny Lamb Loves Getting Into Trouble. As of today, only two views, and I posted it on Sunday. I'm starting to think I'm the only one left on the internet who likes uh, corny, painfully cute little animal videos. Has the golden age of cat videos finally come to an end? Perhaps. Perhaps. That's about enough of that. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. I am in a weird mood tonight. I don't know why. Um, and besides the stupid sounds coming from my uh, effects panel, you might also notice the sound of uh, the New England rain coming down. Uh, hopefully it doesn't prove to be too much of a distraction. So my good friend Liz sent me a link to this first story. And you guys know how I'm absolutely obsessed with The Exorcist. Well, apparently the director, William Friedkin, has made a documentary about an exorcism. And I had no idea this was even a thing, so I was really excited to find out about this story. Uh, this um, story is titled, The Exorcist Director Films Terrifying Real-Life Exorcism for His Newest Movie. And uh, it has a, a quote from William Friedkin here. It says, I was scared, seriously scared. And like so many Huffington Post stories, this one's by Ed Mazza. And okay, just between you and me, before uh, we even get started here, you guys can probably uh, guess what my opinion is on demonic possession. Even though I was traumatized by The Exorcist as a kid, had exorcist-themed nightmares well into my 20s, um, and I've developed this kind of grudging respect and uh, affection for the movie over the years. No, I don't actually believe in demonic possession. I'm absolutely fascinated by all things supernatural and paranormal, but at the end of the day, I strongly doubt the existence of any such phenomena. I just think that the evidence isn't there. That being said, I don't think that you have to literally believe in such phenomena to enjoy researching it or reading up on it or to enjoy supernatural horror movies or whatever. I'm a huge horror movie buff. 
werewolves, zombies, vampires. And even though I think no movie about demonic possession can hold a candle to the original 1973 Exorcist, except for maybe um, The Exorcist 3, which was based on Blatty's novel uh, Legion. But the rest of them, I just, I just feel like they're, they're all, I know I'm probably biased, but they're all pale imitations of The Exorcist. But still love that kind of stuff. And I think it's safe to say that I'm probably not alone. I think there's a lot of non-believers who also have an affection or a fascination with this kind of stuff. And in a way, I think um, that's partly, ironically, what perhaps led some of us to become skeptical or, you know, to become non-believers in the first place, is that we started out with a love for this kind of stuff. And, um, but the more we looked into it, the more we saw that there really wasn't anything there. I will say, though, there definitely are some examples, uh, you know, audio and video of so-called cases of demonic possession that do still send a chill up my spine that are kind of airy to listen to and, you know, very unsettling. One example specifically is that of, uh, is it Annalise or Annalisa um, Mickle or Mitchell? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I've talked about it on the show before. Um, did you guys hear that noise? That just freaked me out. I don't know if it was coming from inside the house or outside the house. It's coming from inside the house. But uh, I wasn't expecting that. I, I have no idea what that was. But anyway, Annalise or Annalisa was this uh, young German girl, uh, I think in her, could have been teens or early 20s, I forget, in Germany, I believe. A German girl in Germany. Holy shit. Stop the presses. But, uh, and I, her case dates back to the 1970s, probably not that long after The Exorcist came out. I don't know if there's any uh, connection there or whether or not she ever saw the film. But uh, it's actually a sad case, and she was kind of a victim of her parents, especially her mother's, fervent religiosity. And Annalisa had epilepsy. And she also may have had other neurological or psychological issues. And so she would have these kind of fits, etc. And her parents kind of drummed it into her head that she was demonically possessed. And she was confined to a bed, subjected to a series of exorcisms, and she eventually passed away. And this isn't the type of thing I would advise looking at or listening to, you know, before you go to bed. But you can find plenty of images of her online. And uh, the images are very unsettling because she, um, she starved during the course of these exorcisms. And she became very emaciated. So she almost looks like a concentration camp victim. Very disturbing to look at, also covered in bruises, etc. And the audio is extremely disturbing, too. There's websites dedicated to the case where you can find the audio. And I, I definitely wouldn't recommend listening to the audio right before you hit the sack. Um, very 
very unnerving and disturbing to listen to. And I've also seen plenty of like, you know, A&E documentaries, etc., you know, that purport to show footage of actual exorcisms. And those can be very disturbing, too, not because I think there's anything supernatural going on, but when you just see fellow human beings writhing and squirming around and gutturally, you know, yelling and uh, pushing their voices to the limit, etc., it is, it's very disturbing, but, you know, I don't think that's proof that any outside entity or alien force has literally invaded the person's body. I think these are just people with issues, you know? So uh, I just looked it up. I believe Annalisa Mickle is the proper pronunciation. And yeah, she was indeed German. Says she died at uh, age 23. Cause of death, emaciation, malnutrition, and starvation. Known for supposed demonic possession, death after exorcism. And I almost forgot, uh, yeah, that movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, was supposedly inspired by her case. And if you remember that film, there was no doubt that within the narrative that this person was demonically possessed, Lots of CGI effects of black eyes and a mouth open to a humanly impossible extent, etc. In a way, I kind of feel like it's a slap in the face of Annalisa Mickle's memory. Uh, it's a very lurid, over-the-top, kind of, you know, Hollywood horror film or whatever. I think a, a much more tastefully done film that's probably much closer to the actual truth, is a film called Requiem. I believe uh, it's a German film. So one of those foreign movies with the damn subtitles. But I actually thought it was a touching movie, uh, really well done. Kind of had like an independent film feel to it. But it's basically, you know, the truth. It's the story of a young girl with epilepsy. You know, this kind of uh, confused kid who's going through a lot and um, whose family ends up convincing themselves and her that she's demonically possessed. And as we know, the story ends in tragedy. But if you're looking for like a, a more realistic and honest telling of Annalisa Mickle's story, check out a movie called Requiem. But anyway, back to the story. The filmmaker behind one of the best-known depictions of an exorcism in pop culture is now turning his camera on the real thing. William Friedkin, director of the 1973 horror classic The Exorcist, has created a documentary on one such ritual performed by Italian priest and exorcist Gabriel Amorth, A-M-O-R-T-H, the Devil and Father Amorth focuses on the 2016 exorcism of a middle-aged woman who believed she was possessed by the devil. And maybe before I continue, just so you guys kind of know where Freakin's coming from, um, it's funny, I think it was shortly before Blatty died, relatively speaking, because of course uh, William Peter Blatty died either uh, the end of last year or beginning of this year, I forget exactly when. But he, um, Blatty and Freakin, became really close friends. 
and they were both religious. They were both believing Christians. And I saw this wild interview, I think it was on EWTN, this Catholic channel, or uh, some other equivalent type of uh, Christian network. But it's funny, uh, and I think this is verbatim, Freakin referred to himself and Blatty as, quote-unquote, brothers in Christ. And Blatty had started off religious. And his novel, The Exorcist, was actually loosely based on the so-called case of Roland Doe, this young boy who was supposedly democratically possessed. And while still at college, Blatty had researched this case, and, and that was the inspiration for The Exorcist. And you guys know how I can't stand to not get my facts straight, so... I just quickly looked up William Peter Blatty. Yeah, he died at age 89, January 12th of 2017. So Blatty may already have been among the deceased, shall we say, for like a year before I found out about it. For some reason, I was thinking he passed away January of this year. And if I'm not mistaken... William Friedkin, I think, stated that it was actually working on The Exorcist that had helped him to convert to Christianity. But anyway, I'll continue with the article, and it has a quote from Friedkin, and I think this is where he's describing the filming of that uh, new documentary. I was scared, seriously scared. I was two feet away from them. And it was terrifying, Freakin told NPR, of watching the exorcism. Gradually, my fear turned into empathy for her. She was in seemingly unnatural and total pain. Freakin showed his footage to brain surgeons and psychiatrists, none of whom could explain what was happening. I'm already a little uh, suspicious of that claim. You know, in fairness, I haven't seen this documentary yet, admittedly, and I definitely plan on on seeing it. Even though I'm a skeptic, I, I still think it'll be entertaining, both as a fan of The Exorcist and just someone who's into this kind of stuff uh, in general. But my guess is we'll probably see... <laughs> You know, what we've seen a million times before. Priests mumbling a bunch of stuff from the Roman ritual or whatever. And uh, some poor individual screaming and uh, rolling around or whatever, you know. I don't think we're going to see any pea soup or 360 head turns or um, anything like that. But continues. I'm trying to think if I can do a, a freaking impression. Um... Probably not, at least not a very good one. Uh, I think, like myself, Friedkin has uh, a Northeast accent, but if possible, his might even be more absurd than my own. Now, these were guys who have done over 5,000 brain surgeries each. I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> I don't know what that was. So I took it to them. It almost sounded like the, uh, the bum from The Exorcist. Hey, father, can you spare some change? Or whatever the hell he says. Uh, spare some change for an old altar boy. 
Now, these were guys who have done over 5,000 brain surgeries each, so I took it to them, and they all to a person said, We don't know what this is. It's not epilepsy. It's not a lesion in the temporal lobe. Remember, that's what they, uh, the doctors said in uh, The Exorcist. We would not know what to remove from her brain to solve this. And the psychiatrist told me, to my astonishment, that psychiatry now recognizes it as something called dissociative identity disorder, demonic possession. Yeah, so once again, that was a freaking quote. And uh, that bit at the end, to my astonishment, that psychiatry now recognizes it as something called dissociative identity disorder, hyphen demonic possession. So it sounds like he's saying he believes it's actual demonic possession. Dissociative identity disorder is just the fancy pants medical jargon uh, label for it or whatever. Something tells me that mainstream psychiatry probably wouldn't share his opinion. And just out of curiosity, I wanted to look up dissociative identity disorder, uh, also known as probably more commonly is multiple personality disorder, is a mental disorder characterized by at least two distinct and relatively enduring personality states. There is often trouble remembering certain events beyond what would be explained by ordinary forgetfulness. These states alternately show in a person's behavior. Presentations, however, are variable. Associated conditions often include borderline personality disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, substance misuse disorder, self-harm, or anxiety. The cause is believed to be due to childhood trauma. In about 90% of cases, there is a history of abuse in childhood, while other cases are linked to experiences of war or health problems during childhood. Genetic factors are also believed to play a role. An alternative hypothesis is that it is a byproduct of techniques employed by some therapists, especially those using hypnosis. And it's funny, not funny, haha, but I believe uh, one theory regarding the Roland Doe case that inspired The Exorcist is that the boy may have had an incestuous relationship with his aunt. Uh, he may have been being sexually abused by her. And when she died, you know, it kind of triggered something. But I'll continue with the article. Amorth or Amorth died a few months after the exorcism due to a pulmonary condition and possibly pneumonia. He was 91. Last year, Freakin told World Post that seeing the real thing changed his view of exorcisms. If he had to make the exorcist today, he would do it differently as a result. Uh, and here's a quote. I would not have included those special effects. Head spinning, levitation, bed rattling. Freakin said those are all part of the mythology of exorcism that William Peter Blatty, writer of the Exorcist screenplay and 1971 novel behind it, made world famous. Can you imagine the exorcist without the, uh, the levitation or the rotating head scenes? Oh, my. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is the one to say, well, hey, freaking, your movie would have sucked then. <laughs> it wouldn't have nearly been as popular. And you might say, well, maybe that goes to his point. He's saying that was all, you know, sensationalism. But who knows? It still might have been a compelling movie. The acting, the directing, the cinematography, those were all still excellent. Ah, uh, but still, oh, I don't even like to imagine The Exorcist without those bits. 
And ironically, those were the bits that gave me nightmares for years. <laughs> that and um, Mercedes McCambridge's voice work. Holy crap. Those are also powerful scenes in the book, too. I remember in the novel, that scene where Chris McNeil, Reagan's mother, is stuck in the bedroom with her. You know, it's the first scene where the the real nasty aspects of the possession begin to manifest. She's masturbating with the crucifix. Her head turns around. In the novel, it talks about how her mother's in pain and on the floor and her vision's kind of blurry and how she sees something, you know, that's so terrible she doesn't know if she she's actually seeing it, you know, and the head turning 360 degrees. I get the chills just talking about it. But as far as whether these are quote-unquote realistic aspects of demonic possession, you know, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in demonic possession. But people who do believe in it, even priests who practice or perform the ritual of exorcism or other self-proclaimed exorcists, you hear different opinions. It depends on who you ask. Some say, yeah, you don't get the Hollywood special effects. It's more subtle than that. But I've heard other people say, you know, including, like I said, priests say, oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, the movie might be a little over the top. But, yeah, the levitation, bed rattling, you know, um, demonstrations of excessive strength, talking in languages that the individual supposedly didn't previously know, etc. I don't know, but freaking still might think that some of those are a part of the standard demonic possession package or whatever. Uh, I remember doing an episode on demonic possession and I went through all the different stages, etc. And I'm just looking at a Wikipedia article now. It's talking about demonic possession and Catholicism. So it's talking about six different forms of demonic activity. One is possession in which Satan or some demons take full possession of a person's body without their knowledge or consent, so the victim is therefore morally blameless. Uh, Two, obsession, which includes sudden attacks of irrationally obsessive thoughts, usually culminating in suicidal ideation and typically influences dreams. This might have been the point in that documentary on demonic possession, where I kind of interrupt the script for a moment and say, you know, this stuff sounds a lot like what someone with a psychological or emotional illness might be dealing with. Someone with um, OCD or depression or whatever. And if you're experiencing things like this, you should probably go to a psychiatrist or some other medical professional. And then there's oppression, in which there is no loss of consciousness or involuntary action, such as in the biblical book of Job, in which Job was tormented by a series of misfortunes in business, family, and health. Uh, And I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about the whole premise of the book of Job. It's a powerful story. I actually like the story, but when you really think about it, you know, if you were to take it literally... God and the devil basically wagering over whether or not this guy will break and God giving the devil permission to afflict Job with all these horrible misfortunes and tragedies. 
for external pain caused by uh, external physical pain caused by Satan or some demons. Five, infestation, which affects houses, things, or animals. And I was going to say, it's too bad Blatty's not still around to chime in with his two cents. Because some of the the, uh, manifestations of possession that you see in The Exorcist are taken right out of the age-old accounts or whatever, or out of, you know, this Catholic list. Infestation, which affects houses and things. I mean, you see that in The Exorcist with the, um, the kind of the rats or the mice or whatever in the attic and all the strange noises. Subjection, in which a person voluntarily submits to Satan or some demons. Then there's uh, four typical characteristics of uh, true demonic or satanic possession. Manifestation of superhuman strength. Speaking in tongues or languages that the victim cannot know. Revelation of knowledge, distant or hidden, that the victim cannot know. Blasphemous rage, obscene hand gestures, using profanity and an aversion to holy symbols or relics. It's like, I'm thinking to myself, it's 1230 in the morning right now. I'm like, why am I reading this stuff right before I go to bed? Even though I'm a skeptic, you know, still, I I was raised Catholic and the exorcist scarred me for life. So not the wisest choice of uh, bedtime reading. It's funny, in general, I could read about uh, demonology or the supernatural or anything. Like, right before bed, I could read... uh, I think recently I was re- rereading a book called The History of Hell. Before that, I was rereading a book entitled uh, Fallen Angels. Uh, was it Soldiers of Satan's Realm or something like that? And it won't bother me. But it's just when you get, you know, really close to the, the subject of The Exorcist. You know, it's kind of like some kind of post-traumatic thing. The, the Exorcist specifically, it brings back all that uh, the baggage. But speaking of the time, I have to wake up for work tomorrow at like 7 a.m. So I guess I'll call it a wrap. Thanks for listening, guys, as always. Uh, you know the drill. Uh, please like the Facebook page. Please don't unlike it. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash theweekendout and supporting the show for as little as 99 cents a month and quitting anytime you want. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Music.